Well, yeah, welcome to the No Name Podcast. My name is Ryan Warner. I'm joined by Dustin. Um, Ellie is on break this week. Hopefully we see you next week, Ellie. Um, I'm on break from uh, processing these shows and putting them on the internet. So uh, I'm, my apologies on that, Dustin. I'm still having some weird, weird computer issues, uh, and I, I think I'm just going to end up scrapping the whole video um, video processing and take the the audio and just cut it up in uh, in like a audacity or something like that. Because yeah. um, I've been using Premiere Pro and it's just my computer's too old and my version is mm. screwing something up. It's one error after another. I've been working on this project and one for my wife uh, for her. Um, company and uh both have been plagued by error messages unfortunately but i will just do that in audacity and we'll just have audio versions of this that's fine they don't need to see our faces they can hear us they know who we are we're the no name podcast and speaking of which uh we actually passed something this week i wanted to get your take on it the infrastructure bill infrastructure week is ended in a in a celebration of infrastructure building i think it's been um, an infrastructure week since 2017, right? I know. I think we can call an end to infrastructure week. The the only thing longer than 15 days to flatten the curve has been an infrastructure week. <laughs> it's pesky curve. <laughs> Never flattens. So, yeah, we got some infrastructure passed. It was a pretty boring bill, I got to say. Um, I'm glad they passed something. I think they definitely needed to. They didn't get what they want. They didn't get what they said they are getting. Um, they got some stuff. I saw that they... Uh, the uh, investment in public transportation was the greatest of ever in our history. So, I mean, that's a very low bar, but uh, nice to hear. Most of that went to the East Coast, obviously. And that's really why it passed, I think. Um, it passed with like 12 or 13 maybe Republican votes. And most of them were from New York and New Jersey, where this infrastructure was actually going to be uh, sending money to fix roads and bridges and, and rail lines and what have you. And so... Uh, I guess good for them to get the bipartisan thing um, happening a little bit. Uh, always nice to see. Uh, and, and I think it will be have some nice stuff. It's just not very exciting. Um, there's, uh, I guess, some EV infrastructure they're going to they're gonna fund, which is definitely needed in places like North Dakota. So maybe that we'll see some of that money here. Our EV infrastructure is pretty uh, poor compared, compared to the rest of the country. The, uh, the EV drivers can't come through North Dakota, or at least it's very difficult to come through North Dakota because it's hard to find a charge station along the way to continue to drive your electric car. So hopefully this bill does some of that for us. But other than that, it was just kind of a needed political win, I think, because um, they've had so few wins recently that the administration just kind of was like, okay, whatever you can get done, get it done. Um, and now we'll set our sights on the other bill, which has more cool stuff in it, uh, which is and also is more fraught with... Um, the potential for either to be sabotaged into nothing or just not pass, which, you know, may be the, uh, the result. But what did you think, Dustin? Infrastructure week. I know you're excited. You get excited about infrastructure. What well, is there anything in this bill that's, um, that, uh, I guess ticked off your, uh, antennae. I have not dug into what actually passed yet. The, the thing that, that, uh, caught my notice was, the fact that Kelly Armstrong voted against it and put out a press release saying it was terrible and that Kevin Kramer put out a press release saying that it's a good thing for everybody. And, you know, I, uh, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, if Kevin Kramer would be the moderate of our federal delegation. <laughs> I would have said you're crazy and you're smoking some really bad crack and you should probably check it yourself into a hospital. Um, huh. I mean, it, 
that that is is just absolutely weird. Uh, but what I've noticed, Kevin Kramer doesn't know what he's about anymore. Uh, I mean, this I I first really noticed it uh, a couple of weeks ago when he was attacking Biden for for the uh, oil prices going up. But if you Google Kevin Kramer oil prices, you'll find something from March and April of 2020 where he's uh, talking about how we need tariffs on oil and we got to pump up and, and prop up the domestic oil companies and get the price up so that uh, that the domestic oil companies aren't aren't uh, falling underneath the the OPEC uh, cartel. And it's like and I posted it on his page. Nobody responded. But I said, listen, this is your plan. You wanted to jack up prices to protect domestic producers. This is what Republicans wanted. This is what Trump wanted. And now you're blaming Biden because your plan worked. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. Like, I thought they wanted to take it, ownership, I, take credit for it. Why are you, why are you passing it off? It's like, it, it just goes to show that that government intervention always ends up going too far one way or too far another. If, if it, if you're intervening on a protectionist side, you're going to increase prices too fast. You're going to create inflation where you don't want it. If you're if you're intervening on the price control side, trying to clamp it down, it's gonna it's gonna crash the market. And no matter what the government does, they can't get it right. The, the industry can't get can't get to equilibrium itself. But when you add government in, that that swing back and forth gets even more volatile and more uh, violent. And and that's where we are. Is we've, we've got people who who want to use government to intervene in a certain direction only when their people are in power but if somebody else is in power then they want to act like they didn't do the intervening in the first place and it's like you know get get a grip man yeah i did see a, a tweet by marco rubio he said uh who are these republicans that voted the, for the democrat socialism bill or something like that <laughs> i was like great tweet man I like to. I would like to handshake these uh, Republicans. Thank you for getting something passed. It, it was such a. It was. It, I think they wanted like I don't know trillions of dollars for the infrastructure bill, and it ended up being like you know only hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, they got one point two uh, trillion was at the end of the day. Uh, now, as you mentioned before, there's the second bill that that uh, will still be in place. That one's going to be probably dead on arrival because that's the one that Joe Manchin's putting up a fight on. That's truly um, is the socialism bill. Yeah. Boy, if you yeah. hated the, if you hated this infrastructure bill, wait till you see the next one, Marco. Yeah. So, so this, this, this was all, this is all their, their plan between using the Democrat plan to use budget reconciliation where it was never intended. Budget reconciliation was, was intended to be a way to, uh, balance the budget with that when you've got a party that doesn't want to balance budget it wasn't intended to be a way for the party that wants to deficit spend more to deficit spend more like that they've taken the the definition of reconciliation and completely put it on their heads on the democrat side well kudos for the creativity at least i like to see a little creativity out of those democrats uh we'll see yeah. if they mint the, the the platinum coin though we'll see in the, the the next debt limit uh crisis that's coming to me uh, you know I, it is dead on arrival I, I i think they will end up compromising into something so just because the, they all understand that um, 
the political side of things looks bad even for Mansion if nothing gets passed. So um, something will get passed. It'll probably be half of what it um, is now, and uh, and do half of what it should as far as the thing they're trying to defeat, which is climate change. Um, and then we'll see what happens at the international. I don't know if you've been following. It's um, it's hard to follow exactly what happens. It all seems like it's just hot air, more hot air, in, in our climate crisis. And uh, so I try not to follow it too closely because I, I think a lot of it's just a waste of my time and uh, to follow too closely because um, the actual things that will be affected afterwards seem to be very hard to ferret out at this point. But it's been interesting, I, I think, from a more um, a macro political scale to see how there have been energy crises across the, the world, the globe, um, due to governments and private industries um, trying to deal with climate change in their own little ways. Um, and that, and typically it's been um, the power grid not having enough power uh, to uh, meet the increased demand or the, the increased um, perception of capacity and necessities. And so they're having to burn more coal, coal than they had to, or they're having to uh, take things offline, kind of ripple people on and off. It's happened in Europe. Uh, they blame the natural gas prices on, on some of that uh, volatility. And then in China, it sounds like uh, they have to start burning more coal because uh, they, are, they have this huge crisis that they, they see as approaching here in the wintertime. The uh, United States has been uh, unaffected as of now, but I think uh, at some point we probably will be affected uh, in, in one way or another, whether it's another hack, um, ransom attack on, on some pipeline provider or or a, a weather disaster that kind of precipitates it. Uh, who's to say? Um, we have a lot of natural gas and uh, we have a lot of entrenched coal interests, so we won't have some of the problems that have happened with the EU and China. But uh, there's always problems happening, uh, so I'm, I'm sure it'll be something else. Uh, but that the, those kind of short-term crises in, in uh, I guess, uh, juxtaposed against these what we hope to be a long-term solution to climate change is, is, is creating some real tension, I think, um, all over the globe, not just here in America, but everywhere on, on how will how far are, are you as your country leader to willing to go for for the world uh, when you have these other problems pressing at home and people that are pissed off at home? And uh, I agree. I don't know how far how far anyone's willing to go when it when it hits close and it's a short term crisis. Um, I think it's a good um, it's a good reminder that this is actually um, not as bad as it could be. <laughs> if you want to look at it um, from a from a certain uh, long term perspective, it's probably going to get worse. So these are just uh, the beginning of of what uh, will be a transition tr transitionary crises as we move away from a carbon based economy. So, uh, you know, on the one hand, yes, uh, this kind of reduces our ability to compromise on the, on the climate. But on the other hand, it should be just a warning that it's actually going to get um, much worse if we don't do something. Uh, so we got to figure out which pill we want to swallow, the short term pill or the long term pill. And they're not very fun pills to swallow, but um, that's that's the crisis. Um, that's the actual crisis we have is this um, dueling crises <laughs> between long and short terms. And uh, we're just not having that conversation right now, Dustin. I feel like it's all it's all tapped up in the. Uh, uh, well, how is how how are we going to make money? How can we sell that? We got to sell this to the business community. We got to let private industry lead on this, obviously, and uh, all these other things where it's we're talking about uh, the economics and and the politics, 
And uh, and the crisis is like the thing we don't talk about as much because, uh, oh boy, it's scary. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I don't think private business is going to lead, and I'm I'm afraid of the government's leading because they're they're having a, a hell of a time leading anything. So uh, who's going to lead, Dustin? Who's leading on climate change? Answer me. Uh, nobody. <laughs> nobody. Oh no. <laughs> Dang it. Nobody. No. I mean, the, the I saw the. Uh, you know, there was some hearings a couple of weeks ago where the Exxon and the Chevrons and those folks were telling Congress that they're finally admitting that that they were part of the problem and, and they were hiding stuff and, and that they're, they're trying to run away from declare you know, their previous stance of, of funding everything that said it was a hoax. Uh, and we all know the only reason that they're doing that is because they've now set themselves up to profit from the transition and to profit from the next, next approach. And so, uh, you know, obviously now they're going to be all in favor of all these things. So, so, you know, because it's going to increase the profits rather than actually uh, really solve the problem. And uh, the customers are, are going to be the ones on the hook as usual. Um, that's always the case. And, and, uh, the customers are the ones that don't think it's a problem because, well, they've been told for so long that it's not a problem. And, and so why would they now think, I mean, frankly, the, the, the energy companies changing their tune actually makes it more difficult to do what you want to do because the people that, that are the ones that would have to push that uh movement forward are now going to say well the the companies are just trying to trying to prop themselves up on the new program and and you know reduce our reliability and all that so you that's where you get in the the north dakota legislative approach to all this stuff which is uh to to act like the companies don't exist and that you have to put it in the laws to prevent the companies from doing what they want, you know, but between the laws that we're trying to, and, and bailouts that we're trying to uh, impose to keep the energy industry from going the way it wants on its own. And this movement now within the Republican party to prevent businesses from having internal vaccine, uh, rules and policies uh we're, we're going into an interesting phase where republicans are now anti-business i mean it, it, they're anti-businesses making their own decisions they're anti-businesses making business transactions they you know had the state had to come up with a plan to to uh uh you know bail out coal creek uh you know it's it's this week, you saw a letter go out from the, the Chamber of Commerce and, and 20 other groups telling the legislators to stay on task and not get into the, the vaccine nonsense. And uh, But yet you have the, the Bastiats, who are supposedly the libertarian-leaning Republicans, now taking the position that, that businesses should not make their own business decisions anymore. And that... that the the law should prevent a business from imposing uh, employment man uh, employment regulations and terms of employment on their employees. This goes against 
40 years of Republican policy. At will and right to work has always been about putting the company in charge so that they can make decisions that are best for them. If they end up paying the workers a good wage, fine, but that's not the goal. That's the side effect. Uh, you know, th this has been the way it has always been. Uh, and, and now you're getting into a situation where, you know, I don't know which party is pro-business anymore because both of them are, are in their own ways trying to drag down business and, and prevent businesses from, from doing what they think is in their best interest. And when you have two parties uh, that, that are in their own ways trying to impose their will on the businesses, it's just a matter of time before the businesses turn on both parties and especially Republicans uh, and, and find their own people. So I think that we're, we're getting close to the point where uh, your Chamber of Commerce and your, your NFIBs and, and different organizations like that are going to start recruiting their own candidates in these races. The same way that, that Doug Burgum is throwing money into uh, particular races of people that, that he thinks that are opposing his agenda, these lobbying groups are going to start doing their own candidate recruitment. And, and you're going to see some interesting things happen there. Yeah, well, um, we'll see what they can, what they can, um, what kind of uh, hiccups they can throw into the process. To me, I think uh, obviously both parties are pro-business because they think uh, the only way to fund, to, to the the best way to to spend public money is, is to give it fun, funnel it through businesses. So that makes them pro-business. I think the best way to, to to fund anything is through people, and then let the people make the funding decisions. So I think they're pro-business in that sense, but I, I also agree with you that uh, I'm confused about what, uh, what uh, you know, it goes back to what you say all the time, Dustin, which is they're not leading from principles, they're just playing politics. So there's a there's a thing about vaccines now uh, that's kind of broken on the the conservative and, and liberal um, fault line, and now they're they're kind of playing into that. But uh, I, I, you know, like you said, I thought that they were interested in letting businesses do what they want, and um, if a business owner wants their people to be vaccinated because uh, they think it's good for business, then they should be doing that. Why? I thought uh, that's <laughs> that's why we we uh, you know we we make them the heroes of our society as they have they may have these great judgments they're always making, and so why can't they make this judgment even you know even if you disagree with it this is what they think is best for their particular business and undoubtedly for certain businesses it makes the most sense to make that uh, a mandate for your private employees to, uh, so you can you know uh, assure the public that they're not going to get um, uh, infected when they're at your business so it seems like it's a no brainer and and when I see these um, Ideas like, well, we got to prevent them from doing this. Why? I mean, I, I, I mean, even if a de I, I, I assume no Democrats have been making this argument. Dustin, have you had Democrat? De I haven't seen a single Democrat. Not on this particular issue. Um, this is where Democrats are more in line. Democrats are pretending to be pro-business by saying, "Oh, we should let the business do it." I mean, they're taking it. They're, that's not their principle. That's that you know because. Democrats don't believe in businesses operating on their own terms. They've, they've believed in setting the terms for the businesses to operate, whether that's good or bad, and then propping up the businesses with bailouts or economic development incentives and all this other stuff. Yeah. But the traditional Republican stance has been let the businesses make their decisions. And if the workers walk out or the customers walk out, then 
that's on the business and you let them rise and fall on their decisions and you don't bail them out. That, that would be the, the true free market position. If you don't let the businesses rise and fall on their own decisions, and frankly, you know, by, by telling a business that they can't do this, uh, it, it's kind of a bailout in that uh, you're using the power of government to prevent any sort of comp- competitive advantage from one business or another. You know, if, if there's so much that, if there's so many customers that are against these things, then why not let Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby, you know, those being the two uh, companies that are usually the most right wing on stuff like this, let them be the ones that go out and say, yeah, we don't have vaccines. Our competitors do come shop with us. Um, you know, let that, let them get that competitive advantage, you know, and, and let them profit from, the fact that they are doing what that segment of society wants and, and let the other guys collapse. If you believe it's so bad, then why would you want to protect a company that would otherwise go the other way? I mean, if, if you don't want the companies to have these, these decisions in their pocket, uh, then you're just preventing, you're keeping them in business when they, they would otherwise go the other way. Right, and the best argument uh, for not getting a vaccine is that you uh, believe in a freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. And so uh, now you're saying one choice is okay, well, the other choice is not. Uh, we don't, you don't have freedom of choice on this particular choice, but the other choice, yes, you have your free to do that. Uh, it's just uh, you, where do you draw the line? Obviously, they have they struggle with this uh, around abortion and other um, choice issues, and uh, and, th- and this seems just like completely um, backwards from what they say they believe in. So yeah, it's uh, it's odd. Um, I'm also you you have the they have the businesses that uh, they're like uh, uh, we everyone here must like Walmart. Everyone here must be vaccinated or wear a mask or something. And then we have other businesses where are uh, every school districts maybe where <laughs> if you get the vaccine you can't come here. We don't want you anymore if you get vaccinated or if you wear a mask you can't come into our our bar or restaurant. <laughs> Just like uh, you know, I guess that that's all falls within the choice of of that particular establishment's um, proprietor, but uh, it's silly. I don't know if you saw the 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 person. The, there was a couple in, in I think Dallas where they went to somewhere and they they were wearing a mat. There was the first time they'd gone out there. A young couple. They had immunocompromised uh, children. Had a date night at a restaurant. Decided they needed to wear the masks inside before they started to drink or eat. And uh, they got kicked out. <laughs> they got kicked out by the owner who said that he was afraid for his employee safety because uh, they might be trying to hold up the place, which is insane, an insane <laughs> rationale. Uh, and then, and then I, I saw in in Florida that they were making students who got uh, vaccinated stay home for like two. They were suspending them for two weeks if they got vaccinated, and. Uh, I don't understand that one. That one of all the things I've heard, I'm just like that one. I don't understand whatsoever. Other than you're trying to make a point, I guess. But what point are you making? Other than damn, you're dumb. But I don't know. For us to this, it's a strange time. Well, uh, I think that that number one, that's Florida being Florida, and then number well, two, yeah. uh, I think that has to do with this the the, the um, uh, vaccine shedding thing that they talk about. That that when you get the vaccine that that gives makes you more contagious. 
I don't know. I haven't heard that before. That, that is this. Uh, are we getting into some? Oh yeah, this is this is some this conspiracy is theories. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that one's uh, a new one to me. I thought the, yeah, I thought they they designed it not to do that, but uh, I don't right. Know. And that's not a... see, these guys can't decide whether the mRNA <laughs> vaccine is uh, reprogramming their DNA or if it is shedding. You know, it, and. I believe that chi- the chickenpox vaccine does have that problem, and that's where they're bringing it from. But that's a different type of vaccine entirely. And because um, I, I believe that if you get your kids the, the chickenpox vaccine for like three days, they because if if it's based off the live, then they do have the ability to spread it, even if they don't have it themselves. So I think that there is some. There, there's a misunderstanding about the various types of vaccines. There's a misunderstanding, you know, when we were kids, they called them immunizations. They didn't even call them vaccines. Uh, and somewhere along the line, because I, I remember having a little card, you know, and it, it was the immuni- immunization record. It wasn't the vaccine record. Um, and I only remember that because I, I didn't have that getting into college. And we had to go to public the health department at the state and figure out when I'd gotten stuff to get into college and records were incomplete and I couldn't remember if I had gotten a shot after the age of about six till I was 18. <laughs> um, Cause they didn't give vaccine their shots to kids over, you know, six or seven years old back then. So, um, you know, that the, the language, the words, and then the understanding of the science behind the language and words uh, there's just no comprehension by a lot of people. And that's before you get into the conspiracy theory. <laughs> you know, and it's, those that's are so level. true. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you actually read about this, the way that this particular um, vaccine effort for COVID-19 came about, it was it's an, am- an amazing and um, amazing in- story of innovation an American innovation. This is an amazing story of American innovation to bring it, bring this together. It's everything that uh, they talk about as far as the entrepreneurs saving the world. They actually did that. They, they did this. This is one of those great stories where actually all those, all the myths came true, and uh, and they're completely forgetting about. It. They're just like washing it aside, like oh, it's a conspiracy. But if you read about it, it's it's insane what they're able to do in the in the period of time they they had to work to come up with this. Um, this vaccine in a way that had never been done before. And they've been working on this, on the, on these particular principles for like 10 years before the, the, the outbreak occurred. So they're in this weird, perfect spot and talking about Moderna uh, specifically, but then Pfizer kind of picked up uh, on Moderna's research to, uh, to bring these things to bear in the time period that they did. It's just an amazing American. There'll be a movie about, you know, once all this stuff dies, there'll be a movie about it. It'll be like Academy Award winning. Uh, it's just a crazy, amazing story of innovation and um, and great, great science. And you're right, no one understands science. And then, the, but the conspiracy theories are so easy to understand because they make so much sense. They're all built on half truths, and they're very easy to grasp in- intuitively. Uh, so yeah, um, I think maybe a transition here to, to the local politics might be in order. Uh, Dustin, I, I haven't been, I know the special session is, is about to kick off. I know you have some opinions. Um, I want to uh, understand, first of all, 
what we should be on the lookout for. And then second of hand, um, what, um, what would in your mind be a good, a good special session here? And, and what would be potentially a, uh, a, a misuse of public funds or, and, or just a waste of everyone's time So give me two well, outcomes, give me your ideal. And then, uh, your, your worst case. Uh, ideally we would simply do the redistricting and then figure out how to divvy out the money that the state has available in order to minimize the need for tax increases at the local level. It's all that there's a billion dollars of federal money that is, uh, needing to be allocated by the state and uh and so just figuring out where that needs to go would be the easiest thing uh by the fact that the legislature literally the legislative leadership literally begged uh the governor to call them back so that they weren't limited by the four days that they have left um they opened up the window for a runaway session because once a, on a special session when the governor calls them back there's no time limit there's no content limit uh there's 26 bills now that have gone through the first step process of delayed bills there's another 20 i believe that have not even been been acted on by delayed bills and that doesn't even include the redistricting and and uh american recovery act money that, that they have to allocate uh this could pretty easily go three or four weeks if not longer i mean it, i i could foresee them going through thanksgiving pretty easily um i could see them going i would i would say there's maybe a 25 percent chance they go to help christmas and so and point of clarity is, i'm sorry dustin point of clarity are you saying that when the governor calls a special session it can go on indefinitely until either he yes. closes it or, or who, who has the power to close it once he opens it? The legislature alone has that power. The governor does not have the power to tell them to go home, which is an interesting feature. <laughs> so he, the governor can start it and then they could theoretically stay there as long as they wanted. Yeah, yeah. They could, they could essentially create a full-time legislature until the next election. And, uh, and then... Uh, take a, a three-week break and then come back for the next session in theory <laughs> and and the irony is that the, the folks that want this thing to go beyond just what the, the session was supposed to be for are the same people that generally oppose constitutional conventions because it would become a runaway and and you can't control the content and a lot of the people that are trying to bring in every single bill under the sun are the ones that are always worried about, you know, adding 20 days to the regular session. They've got to be in for quite a while. Uh, now, there, there is a chance that uh, these, these um, uh, bills could be run through pretty quick. And maybe they kill them after all real quick uh in a special session there's no requirement that every bill get a vote so perhaps the leadership is going to to tell their committees to hold bills back and just not act on them and then they'll uh sign out but that would cause even more problems so i don't know that that's going to happen uh, 
And and so yeah, it's 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 I think that this is a runaway train at this point. And that's why you have I, I just looked it up, it's 36 lobbying entities that have asked the leadership to get this thing under control, but they can't. They 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 asked the governor to uh call them in so they weren't limited by their own days and they've already let 26 of the bills through delayed bills so i don't know what they can really do to to put the brakes on this thing other than just let it run wild so is this a simple up and down vote to to close a, a special session that would have to be um called or i'm what's yes. once it i'm trying to understand uh what it takes to shut down the session once it's been instigated by the governor uh it, it, it will take leadership making the motions and then there being the vote in both chambers to uh, to adjourn sine die uh and if there are not the votes there i mean this is one of those cases where the republican leadership is going to be able to count on the democrats to vote their way but they gotta <laughs> and that'll offset a little bit of their own membership being off the reservation so to speak but um i don't I think that you've probably got probably got 40, maybe 45 Republicans that, that are not going to let that happen. And it takes 48 for a constitutional majority. So uh, it, it could get very interesting. If, if, if 49 Republicans say, no, we're not going home, it doesn't matter what the other uh, – 30 some Republicans and all, and the few straggling Democrats say, um, you know, they'll, they'll get through their bills. And I haven't even seen the plan. I, I don't know if they're going to have full committees. I don't know if they're going to have full hearings. Uh, you know, it hasn't been outlined as to what is actually going to happen. I, I, I suppose that we're going to see that tomorrow when, when they come into floor session. Um, well, but, I would uh, hope that the uh, the Democrats would extract something uh, to be so such uh, willing participants in the power play of the uh, Republican leadership, but they probably won't do that, will they? They'll just be like, "Yeah, we'll, wait, we'll help Dem you guys." Democrats out. having a strategy? What? Is, what where do you get this? <laughs> well, I mean, there's such a such an important <laughs> role here to help the the Republican leadership keep their their people in order you would think they would have some something they'd ask for even if it's symbolic just throw us a bone over here man i mean i don't know that's what i would ask for and then i would tell them you, well, think, we'll you just... think that democrats know how to run their party that that would be i don't know what, everybody I mean, here the, 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 one of the few times they actually have an important role to play and they're not asking for something in return it seems like that's a no but i don't know what do I know about politics, Dustin? But uh, it would seem like this would be a great time to get something, even if it was a symbolic gesture, give us something to go home with and be like, oh, at least we got something out of being semi-important to what you, the, our big brother's been doing. This is a big brother, little brother thing. And now the little brother has a chance to just just get a little bit from big brother and nothing, nothing. Frankly, the, the Democrats would get more out of a strategy like that if they teamed up with the disgruntled republicans that want to hold the republican leadership hostage right and yeah because then you know the disgruntled republicans plus democrats are the majority at this point in this special yeah session. that's what i'm saying you go to the leadership and you say what do you give us to work with you and then you go to the other side and say what do you give us to work with you 
Mm-hmm. And then you figure out what's the biggest thing you get, and then you work with that. That's so – I don't know. I don't know. That requires a strategy and, and some, some political thinking, and, and uh, the Democratic Party in North Dakota has not shown that it knows how to do that, at least for the last 20 years. So um, I don't know, man. I would, I, it doesn't seem like that's, it's that hard. It wouldn't be like, no, uh, this is not like we got we to gotta go get someone from out of state to help us understand how to, this is like very simple, like uh, just um, this is playground politics, really. It's two, yeah. two teams or two groups of kids that want to play a certain game. And then you, you got your little small group and you get to decide because of the way the numbers worked out. And you're just like, well, whatever you guys want to do, it's fine with us, whatever. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. Well, it would be great to have uh, <laughs> have one of the, the leaders from the Democrats on this particular show to ask them if they've ever had, I mean, they had to have had the thought. It's not even an original thought. I, I don't understand where they're not following through though, but yeah, I'm just confused because this would seem like, again, I thought they had an opportunity last session to do so, a little something there and uh, and then didn't do anything. And now another another opportunity comes up to actually, you know, not only would they potentially get a policy concession or something, you know, something small to play, to play ball with uh, either group, they could also, they could use it to actually help the party grow. <laughs> There's a potential this to be like a stepping stone to something bigger uh, for the next election, which is, you know, it's coming up. And uh, it just, uh, I don't know. It would be it'd be nice to know who we could um, vent to that would um, maybe be in, have some ears of, of leadership to see what they're up to. Cause... Well, my guess would be Josh Boshi. You know, he, he would probably talk. Uh, but yeah, that, that's where it comes down to. And, and on the Senate side, there's not a lot of, dis- I mean, there, there's almost no daylight between Senate and Republicans and Senate Democrats. I mean, they might as well be one party. I mean, the Senate votes in block against the House more than anything. Uh, Senate Republicans and Democrats and House Democrats are all kind of on the same page generally. And then it's the House Republicans that are split between the two factions. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll we'll, we'll check in and see what, what, what transpired in the next week. Um, and next, next, uh, next taping here of the podcast, but yeah, um, it's interesting and, uh, it's kind of a, a little intriguing. We'll see what, the, what they come up with. Hopefully not uh, too much bad stuff happens or just not bad stuff, but just dumb stuff, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how bad it can be, but it's going to be potentially dumb. Uh, we got about 15 minutes here, Dustin. I do have a hard stop at three today. Um, so maybe it's a good time to transition into some checkout thoughts. Uh, to me, I, I'm going. It's been three weeks or so since we spoke, so there's been a lot of random stuff that has happened that's uh, comment worthy, perhaps. Uh, what happened this week? That uh, it goes back to this whole vaccination stuff, but uh, it's with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I got to give him some pro- some sort of props. Um, because unlike other sports stars that said, "No, I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to get the vaccine for this or that reason," and then came out and just said, "I'm not getting it," and like, "Suck it, I'm just not going to do it." You know, I believe in freedom of choice or what have you. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> like a like a politician, decided to not do that, but to say that in, in fact he was immune immunized. He said he was immunized. Right. Uh, back back in uh, I guess August or wherever, whenever everyone was asking, uh, 
So, uh, so people took immunized to be vaccinated, but uh, he, he wasn't vaccinated. He was immunized because he had taken uh, ivermectin, um, the actual stuff for humans, not not for your your uh, farm animals. And uh, he'd been well, taking. That's what he's so on that, now. I think he said, "See, because he got he was tested positive once before, and and then after that, I believe the way that it broke down was that he went on some regimen of supplements and." And everything, and I he mean, took antibodies. He took the antibody, uh, whatever the, that's called, where they the, take someone else's antibodies to help boost. Yeah, it. yeah, and and you know, in, he does have a point, and and the athletes do have a point because these guys are in the best shape of anybody on the planet, and if they want to put themselves at risk, then fine. I mean, it, it's there again. This comes down to choice, and. And from what I can tell, it, it looks like most of the pro athlete folks are taking it just because they've been told they have to, not because they believe that it will help them. And, you know, what good is, I mean, that's where the debate should be. Is like, what good is it to mandate something on people that don't think it's going to help them? I mean, if, if you've got a, a majority of people that are just doing it because the law says so, then, you know, it doesn't really have the effect that you want it to have either. I mean, it, it, and it's just going to cause more consternation. Now, now, you know, the, the irony here is we've got a situation now in society where, where Dave Chappelle, uh, Bill Maher, Aaron Rodgers, and Joe Rogan are the leaders of our culture at this point. And, 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 I mean, and I, they I are considered... <laughs> and, and and they're leaders of the the right wing culture, which is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, these are the four guys that now my cohorts point to as examples. I mean, it, it, it's just hilarious. I mean, Bill Maher has always been as far left as you can possibly get on on comedic stuff and on, on commentary, but somehow or another, now he's a voice of the right. I don't even. I mean. I, Every, I get this confused. realignment is so weird. I, it's hard to keep up and it gives me a headache. <laughs> well, you know, I, I would say to Eric, I agree that, um, well, there's two things happening with Aaron Rodgers. Number one, he, he used the, this, the, the weaselly pol political um, semantics to, to get around actually making a stand. And so in that regard, I say, just tell them that you didn't want to get the vaccine. You're doing something else. Um, I, I, to play uh, semantics, and then and then get caught. <laughs> uh, it's super embarrassing. I think you just come out and say it. Like like Kyrie Kyrie Irving took a lot of shit for his stand, but he didn't get up and be like, "I was immunized because uh, I you know did this and that and the other." Uh, he's like, "I don't want to do it because I don't I don't." He basically was making the uh, an argument that the NBA Players Union has made, which is that uh, you know it's personal choice and it's a workplace. Um, this is workplace labor violation to make us. Um, have to immunize or sorry to vaccinate ourselves against our will, and so this is a clear-cut workplace um, issue that we're not just going to go along with, even though you know like 90 plus 95 percent or 90 whatever percent of our uh, people are vaccinated. We don't think you should mandate it, which I agree with. As from a from a labor union standpoint, you can't tell us what to do. Uh, you know we've we've bargained for these rights, and we're not going to give them away for nothing, and uh, we don't think we should. 
And so I, I, I agree with that. Um, where I get problem, I have a problem with Aaron Rodgers is he's just be like, I'm, I'm immunized, guys. So it's cool. And, uh, and just leaving it at that. That's so squirrely and, and weaselly. That's, uh, he's going to make a great politician. That's all I got to say to that. Uh, and then the, the I, I predicted th- earlier this week to somebody privately <laughs> that, that Aaron Rodgers is going to eventually have Paul Ryan's old congressional seat. Oh, yeah. He's going to be great at it. He's going to kill. He's going to kill oh, as yeah. a politician. And, and uh, he might even, <laughs> at this point, he might even be Trump's VP. So. Uh, he might. I don't know. Well, and then the other thing is that athletes. So to me, athletes are they're the people that engage in magical thinking. And uh, it actually comes true. That's their whole yeah. life. They thought yeah. they were special from a little age. They did a bunch of extra stuff to get special, to become special. They believed it so much that they became these incredible athletes. And so for those people, their magical thinking actually works. So for them right. to have the magical thinking that they don't need the vaccine because uh, they're fucking Aaron Rodgers, then yes, for Aaron Rodgers, he has a, almost a right to believe that because everything else he's believed has come true. So right. athletes are that special class where they're like, well, I actually I give them a pass because they thought they could make the NBA when no one makes the NBA almost. And they're in the NBA now. So who am I to question their judgment? They're in the NBA and I'm not. So I, I, to them, I give them a pass. They are in the tip top shape of their lives. Their their um, immune system should be at the, you know at the at the top of their uh, capacity as well, as long as they're you know taking care of themselves, not partying every night and stuff like some players do. Um, but yeah, so of 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 all of society, they should be the ones most uh, given a you know a, a pass on. Uh, on taking the vaccine because they, they, do they need it or not? I don't know if they do. But the reason you take a vaccine really isn't for yourself. It's for other people. I think that's important to recognize. And so it's not that they're taking it for themselves. They're doing. They're being a good teammate. And, and, you know, to put it in sports terms, you're being a good teammate by taking the vaccine, even though you don't need it. And uh, and it probably doesn't help you. It's for the other people that uh, need to look up to you and uh, and actually do need it because they're unhealthy, and uh, and their magical thinking hasn't worked out for them. In fact, their magical thinking has, has resulted in a shitty life. And for those people, they no more magical thinking for you. Um, we gotta let, let the let the sports stars have the magical thinking, and the rest of us have just regular ordinary thinking. Which is the vaccine's kind of cool. It's an amazing story in its own right. We should all be taking it. Um, so I, I think athletes are the special class where I'm just like, okay, yeah, you think you don't need it? That's cool. You, you thought you could dunk when you were five years old, and and then two years later you dunked when you were seven. It's like, okay, I give you every all the props. Do what you want. I have no understanding of, of your abilities. Uh, so yeah, athletes. I think I I, I enjoy athletes, and uh, I think. Uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here on this one. It is their bodies too. I agree with you, Dustin, that um, you know the the idea of autonomy goes right up until the point where uh, we, we shouldn't be telling people what they put in their bodies, even though you should definitely get vaccinated. Um, I don't like having the, a mandate uh, just because I don't uh, I don't think it's effective. I think what's effective is talking to people about it and uh, and and peer pressure. And and shame, <laughs> and uh, and socialization. You know the things that make us do the things we don't necessarily want to do, but we end up doing anyways. Um, if you start forcing people, that's the like the least efficient um, way of of persuading someone is to force them. Mm-hmm. Uh, coercion is just coercion backfires. It almost always backfires into something worse, and we've seen it. And uh, it just because you can't 
you can't make someone, you know, you can't lead a horse to water and make them drink. You just have to let them find it themselves and make that decision themselves. And uh, the let more the we try to coerce, figure it out. Let the market yeah. figure it out. Well, the more we try to coerce, the more we create the anti-vax movement. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, it's the anti-authoritarianism is is ingrained, and and it used to just be, uh, you know, it, it's a teenager syndrome. You know, if you when your parents told you not to do something, you went out and did it. Yep. Like, I didn't drink because my parents let me have a wine cooler every Friday night with them with the dinner, and you know, it wasn't a big deal when I you know when I was twelve, so I didn't have binge drinking problems till way later <laughs> um, uh and and then it became it was more of a professional issue than, than a personal issue <laughs> and but you know when you when you try to force people to do things they're going to go the opposite way and and right now i mean if this would all have happened in say 2006 it it wouldn't have been a big deal but you had obama obamacare then trump i mean it, this was just the manifestation of 15 years of pent-up aggression, really. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I don't know how we um, put it all back in the bottle, so to speak. This kind of is what it is now, and uh, we just have to, you know, give people their grace to make mistakes and, uh, and then uh, let them learn that way. You know, I, I see all these anti-vaxxers who get the – they get COVID and then they're dying. And they're like, hey, all my followers, it was a mistake. Now that I'm dying, total mistake. But before I was dying, not a mistake. Just, it's, uh, I want to see an anti-vaxxer who gets COVID and is dying and be like, you know what? I made the right choice. I might be dying, but I'm dying free. The, the, the principles always go out the window right. when you're dying. When you're dying, you're just like, whatever I did to get here was a mistake. You, most of the time. That's, that's the old, there are no atheists in the foxhole thing. <laughs> but there should be. At least one of you atheists needs to stand up and be like, you know what? Nothing is real. <laughs> or what does atheists believe? They, there is no God. I'm going nowhere here when I die. And um, I'm, I'm okay with that. In fact, I'm, I, I've centered my whole life around that. I'm not going to quit now and that I'm dying. That would be dumb. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, uh, any checkout thoughts there? I I, I covered Aaron Rodgers, I think. Uh, yeah, any other checkout yeah. thoughts? Uh, not really. I'm just looking at the, <laughs> the schedule for the uh, legislative hearings now, and the only things that are listed are the appropriations hearings for this week. They go on. They got these things listed until 6:30 p.m. Actually, Ooh. there's a 7 p.m. So, Dang. so the appropriations committee is planning to put in long days starting tomorrow. Um, there's nothing listed for the, the policy committees. So it's going to be interesting to see what committees are in charge of, of all these sideline projects. uh, A funny, a funny, uh, uh, twist would be if legislative leadership decided to give all the policy bills to the appropriations committees, they're doing all the other work too. Uh, just say you do this too. We trust you more than we trust those guys. Uh, and then they just sit on everything and say, okay, we're done. That'd be it does It does seem like Holmberg is shaping up to be uh, an important player here in this. Well, he has been for 20 session. years. So. Yeah. 
I, well, I've seen his picture in the, in some of the uh, I've seen his picture a lot actually in the paper with the 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 stories around the special session. So. Yeah. Good luck to you, Holmberg. Yeah, yeah, he's got, and he's on the left wing of the Republican Party. Yeah. Always has been. So. So not a bad guy to be in a power a position of power. And uh, somebody that the Democrats potentially could work with. We're going to have the same. The Senate's going to be the one that's in charge here. And regardless of what the House does, the Senate's going to say, no, no, don't don't bother us with that. So, you know, the House can do all it wants. You know, maybe they'll they'll hog house all these different policy bills into one bill and and then attach it to the appropriations bill and say, Senate, if you want your appropriations, you got to pass all this other stuff, too. Um, that's not how we do things in North Dakota, but I could see that being one of the results as well. Just have one giant omnibus bill that just has everything under the sun. Uh, that that could be a result, but uh, we'll see. That that's an interesting teaser, um, and uh, we'll see what happens, Dustin. Thanks for the uh, preview. This has been the No Name Podcast. You guys have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll talk soon. Thanks. <laughs>